0: Says, get that India, big boy! What a shot! What a shot! Campbell killer! Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as Forty Twenty. Joining me, the preview, all of the action out of round nineteen. the jersey flag new south wales cup and nrl as well as an nrlw trial is my good mate 60s much better weather today mate but how you holding up as we get ready for a very very important saturday of football
1: mate it's actually it's a big weekend coming up because we've got that nrlw trial on friday night out at eric tweedale stadium the old granville park so there might be plenty of ill supporters out there joining me to watch the NRLW have their first hit out and get a bit of an idea about what their team structure might look like. Um, as you said, a big day trying to cover three grades of football. Unfortunately, that timeline with the jersey flag leading into the New South Wales Cup, it does make it's it so really, it's so really, really, really difficult for us. But yes, it's a it's a big weekend ahead. We've, we've been certainly flat out on TCT. Uh, but as always, made a shout out to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and also Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norell, and Parramatta for their support of what we do on the Cumberland throw. It makes it possible for us to do what we do. And then, of course, a big shout out to the Home of the Eels, Parramatta Leagues Club. We are back there. We're privileged to be back there, as we always are, on match days to present our post-match instant reaction podcast live from Jack's Bar and Grill on the third floor in Parramatta Leagues Club. After the game, come back there, help us celebrate Anil's victory over the Warriors, have a feed, a few drinks, listen to lots of footy talk, and it will be basically a celebration of 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 the Parramatta Reels any time we're back there in Parramatta Leagues Club in Jack's Bar and Grill.
0: Yes, sir. And before we get into our preview 60s, there's a bit of a breaking and developing story uh, sort of post-news uh, podcast for us in the clash between the governing body of the NRL and uh, the RLPA as that CBA, the Collective Bargaining Agreement negotiations, break down and... Uh, the latest turn is that the RLPA has mandated that all players are to suspend game day media activities. So no interaction with Nine, Fox, any of the printed press or anything like that. Uh, so we know, no pre-game, no half-time, no post-game interviews. Uh, coaches are still on the table because they're obviously not part of the RLPA. Uh, but yeah, what do we make of this as the uh, the breakdown between the two parties? And apparently it's not about the overall money. Uh, I, I can't really find out where the RLPA have specified what they what they want. I was trying to read through some of their their pre, uh, presses and and debriefings, and uh, yeah, I'm not really sure exactly what they're pushing for in terms of our uh, clauses and support for uh, different tiers of our uh, players or or competitions. But yeah, what do we make of this as the uh, game now? Sort of, it, it's certainly not at peril in the short term, but there are some big questions now.
1: Well, first of all, man, damn this news cycle. We, we record our news podcast on a Tuesday evening after team lists have come out because we're expecting that a lot of the news would come out from the weekend across Monday and then into Tuesday with team lists. And, and then the last couple of weeks, there's been big news that's broken on a Wednesday. Fit in with our schedule, people. <laughs> that makes it a lot easier for us. But we couldn't ignore this because it is massive news in the world of rugby league. So people, yes, this is our preview podcast, but we very much need to talk about this. John, I've tried to look for those sorts of details as well. I can't find anything. Evidently, there's something like a 100 points of difference between the NRL and the RLPA in terms of the CBA and... The, what they're working towards with their with this agreement, I think looking at it, there's there's a couple of ways to look at this. First of all, maybe there's an aspect of confidentiality in those um, in those discussions where they're not really putting out the fine details of what they're disagreeing on. They they've been very general in that, haven't they? Very non-specific in what they disagree on. But let me read something. That is from the RLPA statement, and and this is a little bit of a concern. It says, um, and this is the I think Clint is it Clint Newton is it? Yeah, his, Clint. his Clint. Yeah, I'm just checking that it's. Yeah, it is. It is from from him. As I am fearful and concerned about the trajectory of our game with all major stakeholder agre- agreements unsigned, unresolved and unannounced. These include the NRL and NRLW CBA, club licensing agreements, New South Wales Rugby League and QRL member agreements, NRL and NRLW grand final venue and location, and International Rugby League schedule and structure. Now, that's quite a list of things that aren't finalised at the moment. And I know that the, the CBA is just one of those. But it he's, make, he's at pains to point out that there's a lot of things that haven't been determined. And we've had plenty of discussion in the past about the grand final venues that just never seem to be agreed upon. Mm-hmm. and it, And we always end up with the fans being held at ransom where there's the threat to take the grand final away from Sydney. It's, you know, most of the time, the things that upset me are where it impacts the supporters. And looking at the RLPA action in this instance with the media bans on match days, that's about as light on in terms of impact on supporters as you'd ever get any industrial action. Personally... I have no problem with them taking this level of industrial action because the alternative, which is you know, strike action, and I'm going to get your opinions on this in a moment, John. But that that alternative, I mean, that's where you really cause disruption to fans, where you where you get a lot of emotions around. Uh, what the what the players might be asking for now, I think the main thing that came out is that the the NRL and the RLPA had, had agreed pretty much on player payments, and that that's not that's not the sticking point. It's other areas which I think relate a little bit to things like insurances and and after and you know post retirement stuff and um, where game revenues are going and I I guess they're not looking at it in this they're, they're basically saying look we're not looking at getting this into players pockets we're we're looking at um you know how the how the game is run and how players are impacted in terms of um, workloads like how many games the NRL can schedule into a season um what's happening with Um, insurances, what's happening for players who on average have a 40 game NRL career, Um, what happens to them post career, like a whole range of things that seems like there's a a disagreement about. Um, So, I mean, really, John, are you, are you like disturbed by the fact that there's no pre-match or post-match interviews with players? Like, as far as I'm concerned, if you're going to take out something from the game, this is as I said, this is about as light on as it can get. And the ones that seem to be the most upset are the media. And I guess my only advice to people listening to this is you're going to get your news via the media, and it's the media that are the ones right now that are the most impacted. So bear that in mind. If so if I'm going yeah. to be
0: brutally honest, sixties the the whole idea of taking away game day media as your big, you know, middle finger to negotiations getting stored, it just comes across as soft. Like uh, and I, I, I imagine that part of that would be that they're trying not to hurt the primary stakeholders of the game, which is us the consumers, the supporters. But if you're gonna make a move and you truly think, honest to goodness, that your your plight, your argument, your stance is the right one and you're being wronged by the governing body between the uh NRO and uh whatever what do they call it? The uh what's the expanded body of the NRL? Uh that they are uh, always like to throw out that Voyandius was part of? The uh commission. Yeah, the, uh, the, the NRL commission or whatever it is. Then you got to take serious action, and and you you don't do that right now. But yeah, you and yes, it sucks for fans, but you got to commit to it and double and double down, and and that would mean uh, a lockout next year that we don't. Oh, have
1: uh, yep, I was about to say, where do you see this heading? If it's
0: if, if that your, if they truly,
1: you're, you're saying that the uh, RLPA. Uh, are going relatively soft yeah I
0: right mean
1: now in the terms of industrial action and I agree with that on you I don't want to see strike action but you're basically saying if they're serious yeah if the if the NRL aren't coming to the party that you can foresee that there would be a lockout that there would be a strike action industrial that sort of industrial action for the start of next season. If the two parties can't come together,
0: and that, that's why it makes this action look almost comical. Because what what are you achieving with this? You know, you're you're mildly inconveniencing, inconveniencing the media. Um, you know, who uh, they're not the independent arbiters here, and uh, they, they've certainly you know got their part to the play uh, in why there might be some disenfranchisement with uh, the the players. But yeah, uh, if I were them, I would be playing through right now. with no changes but just tell the NRL look we need to get this done because we will take actual action next year
1: well Um, it's interesting that um Andrew Abdo talked about the media as being the storytellers of our game and that's not uh, necessarily a positive thing (laughs) yeah um yeah it's it's I guess story is interesting because we talk about narratives media narrative Mm -hmm. In, in how things are spun, and we, look, we're not throwing that out there at all of the media, like no, not in no,
0: hundred percent. Like there is plenty uh, of good reporting that goes out there, but yeah, you know, we're not so naive as to think that there is an agendas and narrative that form a, a significant portion of the digestible media as well.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely, and I think it. Um, I'm just trying to think who it was that um, spoke. Uh, whether it was I can't remember whether it was on the news or on Three Sixty about um, they don't really get great access to players now anyway.
0: Uh, Bulldog Richie, much, I think it was. Uh, uh, Bulldog
1: Richie, yeah, yeah, that it was. It was controlled by the clubs. There are only select players that would be put out for uh, for media access every week, and it's not really impact the impacting their ability to um, to do their job as such, but. If that's the case, geez, they're they're putting on a bit of a show about this at the moment. It's it's a big talking point, and I guess from from that perspective, it's talking point because you it's that soap opera drama of rugby league where there's always something that's mm-hmm. going on. But as, as you said, in terms of impact on the followers of the game, this is it is <clears throat> going quite soft, and that's. Look, you know what? I'm not do. I, I'm not looking at that as a criticism of the RLPA here. I think they're they're trying to look after uh, the the people who are the lifeblood of the game, which is the supporters. Because without supporters, there there isn't a professional version and, of the game. And it's on so that,
0: simple as that on that note, 60s, if they do follow this path towards natural conclusion, which would be a lockout, I hope they do a better job articulating the why of why the NRO and the RPA are so far apart when it comes to this agreement you know if it is about player pensions and insurance and whatnot, and like because they are important things like that that is absolute you know dotting your I's and crossing your T's and the contract stuff that is very important and they should articulate that to the supporters so the supporters aren't just going to say well these players are bloody greedy you know holding out for more money even though we know that, it, that financially it's not the cap being set at a certain point that's the issue here so go out, go out there and articulate it better you know, yeah, it's- and
1: and also too, you know, like they they are concerned about the number of games they could be asked to be to play in a year, be mm-hmm. it the NRL, oh. Premiership, or extended representative seasons yep. and things like that. Another and they, they, they want to stay in that, and yeah. it is yeah, it is a fair point because if you're if you're working in any industry, you go in there with a fair idea about what what's required in your day. Now, obviously, there are certain executive positions in any business where um, your standard day is not a standard day. You'll work on whatever hours are needed to get the job done. And that's, that's probably even more true for people who are self-employed. Like you're, you're, you're getting your job done. You're working the hours that are needed to get, to get the job done. And it's, you know, there, there are so many occupations out there that are not standard nine to five. Rugby league players are not standard nine to five, but they do, they, they are involved in a lot that comes outside of um, standard work. They're, they're outside of their, they've got their training. They've got the extra little commitments that are involved. In, in essence, they're, I guess the high, high profile players, they're literally on duty 24 hours a day. They can't go out without being seen to be on duty. And yeah, yeah they are certainly well remunerated for that. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's really it's a life or a lifestyle that not many of us can identify with because maybe for some of us we see the privileges that come their way and we and we look at that and then probably the majority of us cannot see the um, challenges that they get that they face where aspects of their life are no longer their own
0: mm-hmm.
1: where yeah. they are in the they are in the spotlight to such a degree that every little thing that they do it has the microscope put over it and um i mean i i guess there's never going to be a true understanding of of fans understanding what's involved in being a rugby league player and a rugby league player not truly being able to understand how fans might perceive things that that happen you know it's, I, I think it's a i think there's a a gap there that will probably never quite be um um, you know, bridged, but in this instance, I truly believe that the RLPA has put the fans, you know, first and foremost in their mind in the in this industrial action because it is soft, and um, you know, I hope it doesn't come to that strike action that you that you feel John is the only way that they're going to get their message across if it's truly. Um, if they're you know, that far
0: apart, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if, and, if it is, and if- as
1: you said, it's it's really important when it gets to that that it's articulated just what are the are the big issues for them because again, where we've tried to do our due diligence in talking about this, we've tried to dig up as much as we can that's available to everyone like we haven't gone and we haven't gone and spoken to anyone in clubland or in the players group or anything like that because that's not our job as fans. We're we're going off what we can find out there. And if we can't with you know quick Google searches with quick perusal of media find anything out there that says what are the big sticking points and really and not have it in in uh, business or any sort of um, jargon.
0: Yeah, corporate law, like sort of legalese.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, in plain English, what are the sticking points? Mm-hmm. If we don't know what are the sticking points, it's impossible for us to really um, jump on one side or the other in, in our support of what's going on. So the the RLPA can get out there and say they have their concerns, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Andrew Abdo and the NRL can come out and say, you know, well, really this shouldn't be happening because blah, 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 blah. But they're not really telling us, you know, why the, you know, the NR, the RLPA can't come to the table with them at the moment. Um, you know, like it's, it's one of those things where, as I said, right now, as far as I'm concerned, is my consumption of the weekly NRL product being impacted by this RLPA decision, um, probably 99% no, it's not being impacted by it. So, you know, it's, is it a storm in a teacup at the moment? I think from a fan's perspective, it is from an RLPA, an NRL perspective, perspective it's not a storm in a teacup it's perhaps that first step that dipping the toe in the water as we've spoken about you know from rugby league terms maybe this is the rlpa they're dipping their Mm. toe in the water with Mm. it now like you know what this is we're prepared to do something right now and we've got a sequence of actions that might follow from there um if we don't get this um you know put together right now if we can if we can't come to the table so um yeah for now pretty reasonably soft it's not affecting us i guess the only thing is if the if they feel that it's impacting the media enough that the media are the the well they're a big part of the NRL's revenue stream maybe they're hoping that the media puts the pressure on the NRL, but at the at the moment, it seems like the media is standing by the NRL and, and not the RLPA. So, yeah, I guess we watch this space now and see how long this ban goes on and whether um, the two tables, uh, two parties, can come together and start negotiations again. Mm-hmm. So, I guess there's not really too much more we can say other than if they don't get it together, as you suggest. We might, have to, we might be looking at lockouts at the start of next season.
0: Yeah, a lot of time to flow between here and then. Uh, but yes, that, that could be the natural course of where this all is if the two parties cannot reach an accord. Uh, but let's talk some Parramatta football on a brighter note, 60s. And uh, obviously we've got our usual Jersey flag New South Wales Cup and NRL previews in round 19 of the action. But before we get there, chronologically the first game this week is actually an NRLW trial. Uh, Parramatta Eels hosting the St. George Illawarra Dragons out at Eric Tweedale Stadium, a.k.a. Granville Park, I believe, 60s is what what it was, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, former Granville Park. It's been done up real nice, actually, and is going to be the home of uh, the NRLW moving forwards, uh, or at least until Kellyville is completed as a precinct. Uh, But this one starts at 7 p.m. and is a free 20-minute thirds or periods. And we don't have an official team list, uh, but we do have a squad. So we've got some players we can talk about here, mate. Uh, obviously, you know, you talk about the high-profile players. Uh, you know, Site favourite, Kennedy Charrington. She's going to be one of the players to watch. Uh, high-profile recruit, Rachel Pearson and Elsie Albert. Uh, you know, half-back and prop 4 They're going to be, uh, you know, two of the leaders of this team, whether they've got the C next to their name or not. Uh, they're going to be senior high-profile players. But then you've got a lot of uh, new faces and young kids. Um, you know, Cassie Tohihiku, Rosemary Beckett. They're a couple of... Uh, young guns from our pathways that we're keen to see uh, take that next step this year. Uh, Ruby Jean Kennard's back. That's fantastic. Uh, who you got your eyes on in this one and what do you want to see out of, I mean, really it's a historic moment for the, both the club and the NRLW. we got a preseason.
1: Yes. Yeah. And it's, it is interesting because it does give them um, an opportunity to see how their players function in I guess a genuine hit out. Now last year we watched them have a inverted commas trial against the Parramatta Reels Jersey flag team, which was interesting to watch because uh, there was a certain amount of um, contact in that game. It wasn't the, the Jersey flag team weren't going full pelt into um, their carries into the into the defense but as, by the same token I thought the nrLw were were reasonably intent in their contact uh in the tackles it, it's yeah it's, it's very difficult to get you know, like that sort of um two different genders in the um, in a match uh males against females but it was it was an interesting hit out to watch um apart from that they would bring in players from outside the NRLW team to help fill in the, the numbers so that you can get full opposed sessions. So I've seen some of that in pre-seasons, but yeah, this is this is now good that it's a full head out. Mate, the, I guess the thing that I'm interested in is what Dean Witters is looking at for his starting spine. Mm-hmm. This year, because that's where there's a major change in the team. So we're really talking about a, a brand new spine. Uh, and I know we saw a little bit of Ruben Cherrington last year, but she's now like a front line contender to be the starting dummy half in in this season's uh, team. And we we can be reasonably assured that um, Rachel Pearson is going to be the uh, halfback when the, it comes to who partners uh, the are... team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got... But then then we're looking at um, who who's going to get the the role at uh, fullback. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, we saw Cassie it... Toihiku in the City vs Country. She looked pretty sharp in the number one. Um, Does she assume those responsibilities for the club? Uh, In terms of 5'8", well, uh, there's a little bit of care taken with the uh, official titles given to the players because uh, they don't necessarily cover all the roles they might play. Uh, But uh, Pahuka Berriman, Duff is listed as a 5'8 on the uh, club roster. Uh, You've got Capri uh, Paakau, or Paakau. I'm I'm sorry if I got that wrong, Capri, but she's listed as a dummy half option. So uh, her and Ruben will be obviously competing for that starting number nine. Uh, but yeah, five eight fullback number nine. There are some serious battles to be had here, in terms of the roster construction and who gets the first look for round one.
1: Yeah. So, um, and then of course we know what someone, what players like Elsie uh, Albert and Kennedy Cherrington are going to bring to that um, to the middle. I mean, it's we're we're talking about um the physicality, the competitiveness, just the I mean, Elsie's long been regarded as one of the premier middle forwards mm. and 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 has that um, that real power game. Uh, Kennedy Cherrington is all energy. like she's she's in everyone's faces, the opposition faces, whether she's um, in, in in her attack or defense. Work a defensive work. It's, um, you know, she's she's almost like uh, the embodiment of the spirit within the team. The way that she plays the game out there. So, uh, as I said, we we know the quality that those two players are going to bring, but how the how the pack assembles around them is is going to be interesting. Um, yeah, I, look with so many new faces. I'm just interested in getting out there and getting a first look at what the thinking is. It's pretty hard to do a preview on this in terms of uh, what to expect in terms of the team because we know with this being the, the trial, everyone's probably going to get a run. Yeah. And that's not too hard when you're talking about 25, 26 players, maybe development squad Players might get a a bit of a hit out as well, I don't know. But um, we're going to see everyone get some minutes out there. So this is the best case scenario for supporters to be able to get an early look at what to expect from the NRLW team. Uh, I noticed that there was, uh, we got emails today about um, getting tickets for the first clash with the West Tigers at Combank Stadium, I think is it the 23rd of July. I think is the is that, is that is that first the draw. match.
0: One sec, uh, NRLW is the 23rd of July. Yeah, yeah, round one, 12 o'clock PM, Combank Stadium versus West Tigers.
1: Yes. So um, we we as I said, we received notification about getting tickets for that. Uh, if you're a mem, if you're an NRLW member, as I am, it's. Uh, you basically get a ticket for having your membership. So that, I think that's great value mm-hmm. there. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, look, where we don't know what, what sort of coverage will be uh, provided of the match. We will be out there with a live blog and um, doing our best to um, give you a bit of a rundown on the players that uh, are taking the field. It's never, look, it's never easy trying to, um, call the play or to give um, thoughts on every single player, especially if we're going to be looking at somewhere between 26 to 30 players under floodlight at Eric Tweedale Stadium. It's uh, We'll be doing the best that we possibly can, but uh, anyway, you'll be able to follow the action from that trial by following TCT on Friday night. The game kicks off at 7 p.m., And if you can't be there in person, as I said, follow. hop onto the Cumberland Throw and we'll be um, providing our details on the match.
0: Yes, indeed. And that brings us to the three proper regular season games, starting with a 1 o'clock p.m. kickoff in the Jersey flag. It could have been a triple header, 60s. It could have been a triple header, but instead our boys find themselves relegated to one of their old stomping grounds out at Ringrose Park, Wenty a.k.a. the home of the mighty chip roll there, taking on the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And we're down a few trips this week because of the origin uh, selections for the New South Wales 19s. No Ethan Sanders, no Charlie Guima, no Sam Tuavardi. So we've got a couple of changes in the roster to accommodate those three losses. We start at fullback. Uh, new recruit Ethan Martin, who's had a really uh, prolific start to his career as an eel. He'll be at fullback this week. On the flanks, you've got Kamalafe and Toro Williams. Uh, Richard Penasini and Lockie Blackburner in the centres. Upper Tweedle moves from fullback to 5'8", as he covers uh, Ethan Sanders' departure. Josh Lynn will work with him in the halves. In the front row, Noah Reed and Lance For Lima are the starting bookends. Matty Arfa in at dummy half. I still don't know how he didn't get picked in that team, 60s. Uh, but speaking of art, not don't know how to get picked. Saxon Price, are locked forward. Uh, and then on the edge, you've got Jock Brazzle and Will Latu. So Jock coming back to flag this week to boost their playing stocks. Uh, on the interchange, Paddy Spence will be the utility Larry Mwanga, Tutia, Mears, Crab uh, provide the big beefy boys for the middle. Aras Namva is the backline cover there, and then you have got big LeBron Tuwala as the eighteenth man. And geez, that that's good to see, isn't it? Yeah, he made his return from a very lengthy layoff last week in that development game, and uh, and now is right there in the mix for flag selection. So I really like to see that.
1: Yeah, and we did see some good energy from him in that uh, development game, probably well we've had the privilege of spending a bit of time with lebron he's quite a character mm. and um and i would imagine that the more time that he gets to spend with genuine training and not rehab um the more opportunities that he gets to to play the to play the game he's is going to be well I, I mean it goes without saying that it's going to be beneficial for him but i think it also is going to be beneficial for feeling like he's he's part of the of the uh of the club um and what i mean by that is he's come down from queensland and he's had to spend such a significant amount of time rehabbing an injury and footballers they just want to get out on the field they want to be able to mix with their mates in a game sense as well and be preparing for be preparing for games because in the in the context of um, training and match preparation, we're, you're going to have times where it's just the players that are playing that are involved. Like you go to a captain's run, and you're, if if they're just doing a traditional captain's run, you're really got the say the 17, 18 players that are going to be there on match day, that are that are going to be out there in the prep. They're they're the ones spending that time together. I know Craig Brennan does. Um, a great job in looking to get all of the players as involved as possible. Uh, the way that he organises training and and you know does his best to make all all the players feel like that they are contributing to the team. But the reality is that there are players that are in the squad that don't get the game time. That's just that's just a reality. It's like in the NRL, there are players in the top thirty that won't play. NRL mm-hmm. during the season. Um, and I, look, I'm that actually, without going too f- uh, off topic, I mean, that was one of my concerns when we used to field a team as Wenty because the players in the NRL team that weren't um, playing uh, first grade were then donning a different jersey and playing for the Wentworth Hill Magpies on the weekend. And my argument was always... You want to feel as if you're part of the organisation. How do you feel truly part of the organisation if you're wearing a different jersey? Now, there's no way around that with a team like the Flag because in their extended squad, they're going to have to go out there and run around for the likes of Cabramatta and I think it's Wenty. but oh, I can't be sure, but I do know definitely Cabramatta, that the, the players that are surplus to requirement on a weekly basis are running around playing um, Sydney Shield. So um, I'm glad that LeBron is closer to this, that if he's 18th man, that he's involved in the um, all the prep, getting ready for this particular match, there's always the chance of being called in. You don't know what happens during the week. You could get, as we've already seen, players called up to New South Wales Cup level at the last minute. There could be an injury at training. There could be someone's unwell. Next thing, Craig gets a phone call from uh, Nathan Kalis. Uh Sorry, I'm going to have to take, um, uh, you know, say Saxon Pryke from you. Mm. This week we're down a middle forward. We need him to come up and play. Or well, we need to take Lance Fulema. Um So you, you don't. he doesn't know if he's going to get that. The players don't know that that's going to happen. Sometimes it happens the day before the match. So once you're starting to get to that A to man position, you're, you're going to be involved in match preps. You're going to be that much closer to getting a run. And let's hope that LeBron gets those those uh, that time to um, get out on the field in Jersey flag, um, which sets him up then for next season when he's probably more likely to be a regular fixture in the team.
0: Yep, and uh, for our boys in this grade, um, I think they're, they're technically three wins adrift of that top five berth right now, but the team in fifth, which I believe is the Storm, have that game in hand. So realistically, you sort of set the line at three and a half wins, right? Because uh, there's that hypothetical fourth win there uh, that could still be in between them. So they've got to get in their bikes. If they want to you know, make, make it happen, it starts this week. They dropped the ball last week and uh, need to bounce back quickly, and they're going to have to do it without some big players as well.
1: Yeah, just on last week, it was probably, you know, it's going to sound harsh to say this, but it was probably the least effective performance from the spine that I've seen. Very passive. Um, Yeah, I mean, it it was, it just, it just was nothing like the performance the week before against the Sharks. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I said that there wasn't, you know my first reaction was that there there wasn't the composure or the discipline from the previous week and I was trying to think what well, you know what was what was the reason around that and and essentially it it, it was that you know we probably saw it wasn't that they played badly but it it was that they they didn't play to their high standards the as a as a group so I'm looking and it's not made easier then by the fact that they're gonna be playing without Ethan Sanders this week. So yeah, there's a challenge because you've got ARPA into the halves and Josh Lynn moving moving to half back ARPA to five eight, which then takes him out of that fullback position. Be interesting to see how Ethan Martin goes moving from wing to fullback. I think fullback's his natural position. Um Matt Arthur will provide the sort of service that he always provides mm-hmm. there. But we're still talking about anytime you've got a a halfback out of their spot uh, or, the, or a change in the fullback, you know, it's a disruption. It's a natural disruption. And my goodness, there's been that many halves pairings and that many fullbacks that have been used this season due to circumstances beyond the coach's control. So... Um, once again another challenge so without all their forwards being at full strength you know they, they've got a big job to do
0: yeah yeah the pack's got to step up create that platform alongside Matty Alpha, and give that uh, makeshift spine the best chance possible to influence this game uh, but yeah 1 o'clock p.m. out at Ring Row 60s uh, I mean strictly speaking you could do all three games maybe uh, but you'd be rushing and uh, good luck in the car park uh, yeah, matter. Yeah, uh,
1: look, there's probably there's probably an associated or two of TCT that might rush out to Ringrose and then rush over to the stadium from there. But unfortunately, we're not going to fit into that category because we uh, we have our other commitments that we yeah. have at, at the league's club. Um, we're going to make sure that we are um, there for the. Uh, New South Wales Cup game and the NRL game, and then of course for the nice um, post-match podcast. So that does necessitate us us getting there and uh, and and uh, being in situ with uh, with all of our gear uh, a little <laughs> bit earlier than uh, than what we yeah. would like if we were rushing from one ground to the next. Yes, so, indeed. Yeah. So anyway, that now. Is a little bit... Oh, what's your, what's your call on this? How, how Can the Eels get it done against oh,
0: the Ravidote? even without the players there, the, the talent is in this roster to get the win. Um, and last time they played, the, almost I feel like this was like the... Uh, this might be like that karmic balancing game because this was a game last time when they met where Ethan Sanders broke his hand. We were up comfortably at halftime. Uh, Sanders and then there was a couple of injuries in that game that led to us getting run down. So maybe, just maybe, if you believe in rugby league karma and all that sort of stuff getting the win here might help right the season a bit. And uh, I trust that the boys will give it a good effort to get it done.
1: Yeah. Look, I'll, I'll back the Eels to get their job uh, done this in this week. I did expect, actually, not just a win, but a, a comfortable win last week. So I was drastically wrong uh, with that. But I was basing it on the, the performance that the team put in against the yeah. near-top-of-the-table near Sharks. The Tigers were sitting below the Eels last week. Uh, what I didn't count on was, you know, there was some big units in that Tigers team, and they made full use of them in in the game. So a bit of credit to the Tigers last week as well for their performance. But when you talk about a game that's only uh, a difference of two points, which it was last week, um, you know, if the if one if your team is a bit below what you expect them to be. Um, you have to look at it as a lost opportunity, and that was a lost opportunity last week. So um, let's see a bounce back this week, even without the players. Now, uh, New South Wales Cup, mate.
0: Yeah, moving on to reserve grade, three o five pm kickoff. This one is the proper curtain raiser at Combank Stadium. Eels and man, their draw has being brutal. They are come out of a bye following games against what Newtown. Uh, then we had uh, Bankstown, well, Blacktown Workers, sorry, uh, Canterbury, who were top of the table. Newtown were second. Uh, they played the Bears prior to that and managed to knock them off. Uh, but they now play, I think, the fourth place New Zealand Warriors and the team that put 50 on them earlier in the season when they had to go over to New Zealand. So uh, it's not, a, not been an easy run for them. Uh, they do have a few troops back this week, but it's still going to be very tough. Uh, we start at fullback. Uh, young Artie, Arthur Miller-Steven, is in the number one. Really keen to see how he runs around this week. Uh, Hayes Dunster and Lorenzo Mulatalo are on the flanks. Wanga Blake and Zaxini in the centres. Uh, Dan Keir is still holding out that spot at 5'8, the poor man. Uh, need to get him back into the back row. Jordan Rankin is the halfback. Uh, in the front row, uh, Jonte Jr. And Beth and continues continues his excellent season. I think he's been one of the real shining white 60s uh, for the New South Wales Cup. Uh, he partners Kai Rodwell in the front row. Jaden Yates is back and starts at dummy half. Jack Murchie and Matt Dury are on the flanks or the edges as the back rowers. Tony Mattelli moves into the starting team because Luca Muridi has been caught up to the NRL. And then on the interchange, Jacob Davis is back from what I believe was a hamstring injury. And that's good to see him there. I've already had a good game in the New South Wales Cup last time out. Brock Parker joins him as another flag eligible player on the interchange. Jerome Messiah and Nico Apello rounded out. Just looking at this Warriors outfit as well, 60s. Uh, Braden Williami, Moala Graham Taufa, Ronald Volkman. Um, anyone else I really recognize there? Uh, and Volkman's named, but there's a very good chance that he'll be caught up to the NRL. Uh, with uh, Sean Johnson uh, sitting on standby for the birth of his second child in New Zealand. So depending on when that happens, obviously, uh, in the context of Saturday, uh, Volkman could be out of his game and playing first grade.
1: Look, I guess the thing is that we don't know enough about the talent that's in this Warriors team. Obviously, there are names that we're not as familiar with because the first grade team has had A relatively good run when it's come to injuries. And when players have been called upon, we're seeing some familiar names out there. But there's obviously a lot of talent in this team because they're doing very well um, this season. As you said, towed us up in that first meeting. It's, man, it's hard. It's hard to tip us getting close based on current form, isn't it? Like, that's just... That's just a stark reality, um we need to start strongly, yeah, because unfortunately, what we've seen is when we when we have by starting strongly I don't mean just scoring the first try because we've seen the eels score an early try in recent weeks, but then just get absolutely pummeled, and it's so starting starting strongly means that we're really involved in in the things that BA likes to see which is that physical clash you know that, that we're announcing ourselves as uh contesting the tackles as as contesting every cat like that the, we're really bringing the physicality to the to the carries into contact that uh i and again it's that cliche that's now there about the dipping the toe in the water or well, um you know we're not seeing what we've missed seeing is what is those effort areas like uh, when when teams have got a run on scoring points what what we've been seeing is uh, players i uh, dare I say it there's been times where it looks like the players are standing and watching the play go past them yeah rather wow. than rather than looking. To get involved, uh, rather than finding um, an effort area, you know, be it diving on a loose ball or if someone's you know pulling out of a a, an attempted tackle next to them, that they're they're that they're reacting quickly to the scenario to the situation unfolding next to them. As I said, it's almost looked like there's been some they're in the role of spectators alongside what's happening. Uh, next to them. And the, it, look, let's face it, that's what we saw in the NRL with the likes of the, of the uh, Tigers and the Bulldogs. Like mm-hmm. those defensive efforts. It's where oh yeah, you know, a, a break's made and, and all of a sudden there's no scramble. There's no desperation to ankle tap a player or just to, just to get yourself in, in front of a player that's coming at you. It's, you know, there just isn't a commitment to the physicality anymore because it's like when the score's running away from you, it just becomes, I guess, human nature. Like, what can I do? There's, and I, I just feel we've seen a lot of that in the New South Wales Cup in recent weeks.
0: There's no doubt it's been an ugly month prior to the buy for our Cup team. Uh, bad loss to the Newcastle Knights, hammered by the Bulldogs, who are the best team in the competition, thumped by the Blacktown Worker Seagulls. Also in that three-week stretch there, I suppose the little bit of optimism I have heading into this game was prior to the buy. yes, they got beaten 40-22 to 22 by the Newtown Jets. But if you look at that score tracking on that game 60s, they were actually right in the contest up until about the 58th minute uh, where the game sort of got run away from them from there. But the fact that they were in a contest against a very good team up until like the final quarter or just about is a marked improvement what we've seen in the prior three outings there. So maybe there's something to build on from that. Uh, you know yeah. what I'm
1: concerned about however using uh, Newtown as the form guide they just got thumped I think by St George in the New South Wales <laughs> Cup last
0: week so, try, try to make sense of that then uh,
1: <laughs> you know I'm sure I'm right with that I'm sure I saw that they got absolutely uh thumped by them let me let me go and double check uh 46 to 12.
0: geez what's going on in the New South Wales Cup the uh, the Jets are one of the perennial contenders there, so they had a bad day there. Uh, but yeah, look, and, look in the Jets and it took us on. It's pretty good.
1: And Can I tell you, the Dragons are sitting ninth and we're on equal points with the Eels, I think, last last week.
0: I suppose that right. lends credence to the idea that anyone can beat anyone. Uh, so maybe the Eels can spring the big upset here. Uh, but it's going to be tough sledding. Uh, the, the Warriors are a good outfit. Eels are clearly struggling for both confidence and just quality in some of their positions of the, the players that have been caught up to the NRL and maybe a lack of depth at certain spots as well. Um, you know, Realistically, the halves aren't going to get better uh, in terms of that 5-8 spot until either Dejan is back, which is at least a month away, or Ethan Sanders gets promoted and he's on origin duty this week. So whew, it's, a, it's going to be tough for our boys, but that's the reality that faces them.
1: Look, it's it's been no coincidence that the biggest struggles have happened since we're we're missing a half, and mm-hmm. it's been you know like uh, releasing Jake Arthur to Manly uh, when he he led basically every metric that was out there, um, certainly within the Eels team, and then like even across the competition, um, and with the team, with the Eels not sitting at the top of the table. Um, you know, he was still featuring in, in one of the leading performers in the competition, and then you know, that's doubled down by uh the fact that uh Dejan, the assy man, has been called up to uh NRL for basically it all but literally cons- coincided, didn't it? With as, as soon as Jake was released, um, next thing we need a half, we need a five eight in the in the uh, top grade, mm-hmm. and that became Dejan, and Dejan has done an outstanding job. But he hadn't even settled into a halves position <laughs> in the New South Wales Cup. No, he was it, all over the place been where he centre, played. centre,
0: fullback uh, in the halves. He played everywhere. and Like I said, it barely settled down, and then gets to call up the NRL where he's done a fantastic job. And, you know, again, it's a reminder that a player that might not be going great guns in cup, might step up and do a better job in first grade when they're surrounded by the the stronger team. Uh, And in this case, Arcee's been fantastic. You know, he's been so good.
1: We've we've spoken to to staff, to coaches, many times about that phenomena with players that can lift in a particular grade. And conversely, um, when they go back down, can look ordinary back in a lower grade. And it's basically... Playing to the level mm-hmm. that they're at the, of the team that they're in, that it, it just it just seems to happen, you know. Like there are players who um, their performance is is almost determined by the grade that they're playing in, and I think there's a good thing and a bad thing in that. I mean, it, it means that when you call upon them when they're needed for the top grade, that that you know that they'll they'll give you what you need. But the other side of it is, I, I you know, you like to see players who, if they're an NRL standard player and they go back to lower grades, that they look like an NRL player who's he's in the wrong grade. You know, that they look like they're a class above the players that they're playing alongside. And we've seen that over the years um, in watching lower grade games where you go, well, this player doesn't belong in this grade. And... You can't understand it whether it's whether it's one of our own players, but it's been particularly with opposition teams that we've seen mm-hmm. last year. Last year, seeing Jason Croker running around in uh, New South Wales Cup for Canberra um, up at Kellyville, and you know, I watched his performance and I thought, you know, like this is a class player, and he imposed himself in that game. And, and I've told the story before about watching one of the Morris twins play in New South Wales Cup against Wente over at Ringrose Park and him putting on a masterclass. I think we've seen in the past where Josh Addo Carr was not quite settled in first grade when he was at the West Tigers. And I think there was one game he might have scored five or six tries against mm-hmm. Wente. Um, like he just he just blasted them off the park. You, you you looked at those games at those players in those games, and you went, they're not New South Wales Cup players. They're NRL players. Yeah, playing that standard. So yeah, and and I guess maybe that's what differentiates the regular NRL player from players who get occasional matches. Is that a regular NRL player? If they're dropped down to that grade, they're like you're kidding, you know, like, let, let me show you who I am. Um, and you always get a, a quality performance. You know who always managed to do that for us? Gowie. Yeah. I thought Gowie, when he played play in reserve grade, he would always be amongst the best players yeah. out on the field.
0: Yeah, but he, he was definitely a cut above uh, when you saw him down in cup. And, and, you know, obviously he played some very good NRL games too, but he was one of those guys that... Uh, looked like he didn't belong in cup for good reasons.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, anyway, um, uh, thoughts on this, mate? Is they are they are they going to get anywhere near the Warriors, or, or are we going to make a, a a very blunt tip on this?
0: Look, if they're competitive on Saturday, I will be very happy. If they're, if they're just in the contest for the majority of the game, I think that's a win. Um, realistically, uh, they're short in the spine. Uh, I'm really keen to see what Artie can do at fullback after getting his feet back under him now, returning from that shoulder injury with a, a game under his belt and the buy to you know reacquaint himself with the the, the squad again. Uh, but yeah, I mean hopefully Jonte, uh, Tony Mattelli, Matt Dory, you know, uh, Brock Parker and Jacob Davis on the interchange. They're the players I'm looking for some spark in this game. You know, not, not to dominate, but to play good games. And someone like Jonte, he has been honestly very good. And this season, considering all the sort of hurdles that he's had to do up and down from flag the cup, uh, playing, you know, for a, a rotating roster in the cup itself. And then the other one that I want to give a shout out to was Tony Mattelli, who uh, started the season really strong, had that slump as, you know, the sort of the grind, the full-time season gets to you. And I think he's turned a corner recently as well, Sixties, He's really put his head down and played some good, tough football in the last few outings, even with his, the score getting pumped on, on the eels. Yeah.
1: So, look, I'm I'm probably going to... You know, jump on your um, coattails there, and 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 say ditto with what you've just said. Um, I, I will be happy if we get a really competitive performance out of uh, out of the eels on on this one. It shouldn't be like the last game when they played the Warriors because it was away from home, and um, they'll be playing in front of uh, the early arrivals at uh, at Combank Stadium mm-hmm. this week. Hopefully it means that they they really put in in front of the home fans. And um, yeah, if we can be competitive with this, and it just means that, it, uh, as you said, it was a, a closer contest against the Jets last week, whether they're down in form or whatever, but they got closer last week. Hopefully that's the Philip for uh, continued improved performance this week. And with some of the young players that are being introduced to the team, let's let's look for them to be um, uh, putting the the spotlight on themselves as well as uh, helping the team. So um, I'm going to tip a warriors victory yeah. in that one unfortunately. Um, but now we get to the the main event, the NRL contest.' This yes, week. sacrificing
0: a cup upon the altar of NRL victory. 5:30 PM kickoff here out at Combank Stadium. Of course, it's the main event. The Parramatta Eels hosting the red-hot New Zealand Warriors. So even though they're coming off a last start loss to South Sydney, they've been such a tremendous story in 2023. Uh, you know, we talk about that football karma stuff, but surely they're they're reaping some uh, good karma for everything they sacrificed the last few years for the competition. Uh, looking at this Warriors team quickly, uh, we got Chance Nickel clock start at fullback, teams Lesniak, and Marcelo Montoya. On the wings, Rocco Berry and Adam Pompey in the centres. Luke Metcalf and Sean Johnson named in the halves. We already mentioned that Ronald Volkman is a strong chance of coming in to replace Johnson should he stay in New Zealand for the, the uh, arrival of his second child, which will also let him have a home 200th game in New Zealand next week. So that lines up really nicely for the Warriors to uh, sort of have that double celebration of Johnson's second child and his 200th. In the front row, uh, the outstanding Adam Fenor blake and uh, Bunty Afoa on the shoulders of Wade Egan, Jackson Ford, Mitchell Barnett, and Tohu Harris, the ageless Tohu Harris. He's so good uh, in the back row there. On the interchange, Dylan Walker, Bailey Sirinan, Tom Arlay, and Freddie Lusick Extended roster, Braden Williami, Ronald Volkman, Kalani oh, going, Zion um, Ma'au, uh, Tane uh, Tuapiki. Uh, that's their roster, their 60s. Uh, anyone that really jumps out to you, given how well they're playing?
1: Look, I... I guess it's that, you know. I, I've, I've got a lot of time for their coach and what he's
0: achieved. Webster, yeah, with the team, mm-hmm. yeah. He's got. Yeah. To, he's got to be the front runner yeah. for coach of the year.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because one, one day BA will uh, get his flowers, but
0: <laughs> right now I think it's Webster.
1: I mean, we there, there's been a couple of new inclusions to the team, but aside from that, you know, it's a they're fairly fairly familiar names. To us um, from last season, and and obviously it only only takes a couple of um, key ins like you know Charles Nickel Klockstad at at fullback is a is a key in for for them there, and um, you know and and I guess as well seeing Dylan Walker as that utility off the bench, you know he's provided a bit of value there, but you know the 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 improved performance from Sean Johnson. That can't be, you know, you, you you can't ignore that. That's just been a, a absolutely out of the box. And the thing is, the team is playing a much more composed brand of football. You, I wouldn't say that they're playing like Penrith in terms of, you know, whether that Webster's brought Penrith structures or anything like that. He's just taken the... Um, carelessness that was seemed to be so typical of Warriors football, if that makes sense. That it was almost that you were waiting for a brain explosion or something um that was unnecessary in their in their games in previous seasons. And I know, and and you know what? To an extent, I'm going back to pre-COVID because. I don't know how well you could judge the Warriors during their their COVID impacted years. Oh, yeah,
0: exactly. There there was so much on their shoulders uh, on and off the field or what they were being burdened with away from home.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this is like, it's almost been like, I mean, you could use the term rebuild of the Warriors, but I think it's, I think that, you know, there's probably a better term to come up with for it because, you know, the players, there's a familiarity, as I said, with the players. But it's just, it, it's almost like they've been reprogrammed. Maybe that's the, what I should be saying about them. It's, it's been a, a reprogramming of them. And whether it's just simply been that they've been able to be home, um, whether it's been that they've got a quality coach or, or a coach that knows, certainly a coach that knows how to get the best performance out, of them now, the question then that has to be asked is their loss last week to the Rabbitohs. I didn't see coming, I didn't see the not the magnitude uh, of
0: it. Yeah, yeah. the South were competitive, okay. Uh, but yeah, South really ran away for that one,
1: yeah. And so, you there's a part of me that goes, Is that the start of you know, like it's a long season and they've done well to this point? but they're not quite a finals team. Is, is that what we're getting? And I don't know that you could necessarily judge it based on, like if they get a win against Para this week, um, I don't know that you could necessarily answer that question yet because of the fact that Parramatta's got so many players, key players that are out mm-hmm. at the moment. And I'm not setting up for an excuse for the Eels in any way, shape, or form at the moment, because I'm going to I'm going to tip an Eels victory, and I'm going to tip an Eels victory quite honestly mm-hmm. with that, and not, and I'm not that's not tipping with the heart. But I look at the Warriors team and I go, um, you know what, um, playing above themselves. Like I keep ticking the box that says playing above it's a, themselves.
0: It's an so, industrious backline, I think. Uh, DWZ and Montoya alongside uh Nickel Clockstar really just you know start their set strongly and that really well, lays let, a let platform Well let me
1: let me uh, you've just pointed out um DWZ and Montoya so I'll I'll throw this question to you are they in the best form of their career right
0: oh, now 100% uh you know Darwin Wateen has just he is enjoying a, an incredibly rich run of form and he's playing fantastically and Montoya's probably been a guy that's been uh, a little bit slept on for a few years. I, I thought he was pretty handy at Canterbury. Uh, and then he went to the Warriors and has really found himself there and, and elevated his game. Uh, they're, they're one of the better winger pairings on the balance of things in 2023. They've been really good for the Warriors and a big part of why their resurgence has been so consistent. And uh, you, you obviously you throw in uh, you know, stars like Johnson, Fenor, Blake, uh, and whatnot. And they're the guys that will help you seal the deal uh, alongside Nickel Clockster. But those two wingers have been really important for what the Warriors have done in
1: 2023. Yep, Aden Fanua Blake is he up near some of the best form of his? Yeah, career? well,
0: I, I was really down on Fanua Blake because obviously at Manly he was one of the, you know the sort of young dominant forwards in the game. And he went to the Warriors and really faded. Uh, really, I, I don't know what happened. Whether it was coaching or just you know the COVID stuff uh, impacted him, you know, really heavily. But his game looked like it wilted. And and what we're seeing in twenty twenty-three is pretty much what I expected of him uh in those last few years. And he has been back to his best. And he, he is really in that junior Barlow mold of being a, a game wrecking prop forward. Uh you know, really dominant through post contact, can slip a real dangerous offload. Uh you really got to be keyed into him when he's got the ball or near the ball uh through the middle.
1: Yeah, and, and Bunty a I I you know, if he was running around in a blue and gold jersey I reckon he'd be an absolute fan favourite. First of all, the way yeah. the way he plays the game, and also his name. Yeah, like I just, yeah. He, yeah. Bun- 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 a great favorite. name,
0: and he's got the you know the big mop of hair, uh, runs like a maniac. Yeah, you could you could imagine him endearing himself the fans very quickly in the blonde gold. Uh, yeah, real sort of cult favourite sort of player. Uh, it's almost yeah. in the Fooey Fui. Fooey yeah, gold, exactly. Very seen. very similar to Fooey. and obviously Fooey's at the absolute top tier of that uh, sort of list. Uh, but, yeah, Bunty is all energy, uh, brings plenty of that every game, and, yeah, that, that can really galvanise a forward pack. So they're, they're just a well-balanced team, the the Warriors. They've got a couple of strike players, really led by Sean Johnson, who's enjoying a fantastic season. So if he is out, that is a big boon for the Eels. But on the flip side, once we do talk about Parramatta, you mentioned the 60s, but we're down plenty of troops as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, just running through our team, mate.
0: Yeah, well, Sean Russell, not, not to the surprise of – Anyone, I think, really has, quote-unquote, won the battle to be the replacement fullback uh, or the king's hand, as we talked about on the uh, NRL News podcast. Mike Acevo and Isaac Lumi Lumi are on the flanks. Now, that one was probably the big surprise of the team list. Lumi Lumi in over Dunster and Blake. Uh, we can talk about that shortly, but get to get the rest of the team. Penasini and in both in outstanding form, even if Will wasn't considered for State of Origin. Uh, yeah, we, we talked about that. No need to... Go on about it, but in the halves, as we expected, no Moses, no Brown means Arcee and Madison reuniting after their heroics against the Manly Seagulls a few weeks back. In the front row, Ogden comes in for Reagan-Campbell-Gillard. Junior Barlow is back after he was sensationally cut by the Blues hierarchy. They'll work alongside Brendan Hands in the front row. Bryce Cartwright, Andrew Davy named to start. I'll have to wait and see where Sean Lane's an in inclusion for the starting roster on game day for Davey. Uh, but right now, a name to start those two. Jermaine Hopgood, he is in Queensland camp, but will play for the Eels. He's a lock forward. On the interchange, Luca Maruti, Joe Ofangahi, Sean Lane, and Makassi Makatoa. That is a big bench. <laughs> Plenty of big boppers there. Dunster, Blake, Rodwell, Dury, and Murchie round out the extended roster. And oh, Adam G, not Andrew G. Adam G uh, is the main official. Drew Ultram and Ziggy Prislaska. Adamski are on the flanks. Casey Badger is in the box. Uh, and yeah, 5.30 p.m. kickoff. Catch this one on, what, if you're not out there, 60s, you can get it on Foxtel and KO. Uh, But no reason not to be out there for one of the rare sort of uh, enjoyable Saturday slots that we get for the Eels.
1: Yeah, okay. So let's, let's get straight to the point with a couple of the selections. It was, it fits in with BA's model where he doesn't like to have disruptions to key spots if he's having to replace a player. He needed to bring up someone with Gutherson being gone. There wasn't a natural fullback that he could bring in to do the job in place of Clint Gutherson. So the only thing he could do was, I guess, the minimal disruption, which was he's got an experienced fullback or relatively experienced fullback on the wing. In Sean Russell, he gets the wing spot. That means his choice is who to bring in on the wing in his place, out of uh, out of uh, Isaac Loomy Loomy, Hayes Dunster, and um, uh, Wonga Blake. Wonga's only just returning from injury. Hayes is he's really been uh, trying to find his full fitness and his confidence. This season, we knew it was going to be a tough year for Hayes coming back from that horrific injury last year. He's gone for Loomy Loomy, he's a wing specialist. He's been having to play a little bit of centre due to the lack of um centres in New South Wales Cup. So, um, yeah, I I guess there is a a question mark about how Loomy Loomy is going to perform now. Whether the Raid, whether the Warriors decide to target him. And Sean, I think there's a fair bet that they will. I think there'll be kicks that will go up um, towards that side of the field that will ask questions, uh, that, and obviously ask questions of both of them because they'll probably look to land it in that no man's land of who's going to go for the ball. And um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how they go because we did have Sean had his issues when he first came back up in the first grade, didn't mm. he? With with the uh, with the high ball,
0: I don't think he's dropped one. In, I mean, knock on wood. I don't know if you can hear that, but it's me knocking on my oak desk there. But um, he uh, he hasn't dropped one for a long time. He's been very good under the high ball since getting back in the first grade. But there's no doubt that they're going to come after him.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, in the forwards, still plenty of strength there. Mm. So I don't I don't think we need to be um, overly concerned. That that you know, really, the main impact has been that. Uh, Jermaine Hopgood hasn't been available for match prep because he's been involved with the Queensland team. He gets released to come back and play for the Eels on Saturday. You know he's been part of the he's been part of the run on team for the entire season. So you know how much he needed to be involved in the prep is is questionable. I guess the only thing that he's he's missed out on a little bit was the specifics around. Uh, preparing for the Warriors. You would imagine he's probably done his due diligence and watched um, uh, plenty of uh, footage. He would have been probably sent any uh, footage that was cut up as part of the Eels um, uh, tip sheet.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So he would have been privy to that. He's probably had conversations with BA and Trent Barrett and Murph uh, about what's going to happen around attack. I watched training the other day. Obviously, I'm not going to say too much about it, but it was just interesting listening to the coaches um, instruct the players about what the Warriors are likely to throw at them, and and um, you know what, what, just some of the goals that they've set themselves in both attack and defence. So uh, the team, the team are in a confident headspace. And I think that's really important. I think what we'll see is something not dissimilar to what we saw against Manly.
0: Yeah, chasing a record six straight win under Brad Arthur's guidance. Uh, we've gotten to five wins in a row, I believe three times, if I'm not mistaken. And I think this will be the first time we get the six should we secure the victory on Saturday night.
1: So what are we looking for? High completion rates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So we're not kicking from deep in our own half. We'd be looking at a lot of patience and composure in attack. Um, not looking to overplay the hand, you know, looking to keep the game down at the Warriors' end of the field, uh, building pressure, uh, not trying to score off every play, um, but by the same token, being prepared to chance their hand a bit, um, you know, once you do get into that red zone. So, um, you know, it's that balance, isn't it, of making sure you complete the set, but you don't waste your opportunities down there by, you know, by throwing throwing something out
0: that you haven't earned. Yeah, and in a way, that game against Manly is really the blueprint for what we need to do on Saturday uh, with uh, R.C. and Madison just running the show without overplaying their hands. Uh, no Gufferson, though, does change the structure a little bit. Guffo was excellent in that game, as he has been for, you know, the vast majority of 2023 being in an outstanding form. Uh, yeah, you're looking to Sean Russell to somehow bridge that gap, uh, you know, working as the deputy for Guffo. Uh, but yeah, being... Patient, calm, disciplined is going to go a long way uh, on Saturday because that's what the Warriors are going to bring to the table. They're going to yeah. be working for the completions, working for the corners, playing the percentage football and then taking their shots from there. So if you can beat them in the arm wrestle, and they also have the forwards to do it uh, and and the strike in the back line to capitalise uh, alongside the, those back row weapons, Bryce Cartwright in fantastic form. I think he's going to be an important point of difference in this contest. Uh, but yeah. Uh, be be patient, but take your shots when they present themselves. And, yeah, I think we can win and win well on Saturday.
1: Yeah, and, and look, I think we'll see um, maybe not so much of the kicks, but um, running it on the last. Yeah, I and mean, that was bent. a feature of that
0: manly game, wasn't it? Yeah. was uh, yep. after Maddo gave away that first seven-tackled set uh, off the boot, was, okay, we we'll are just streamline it. We're happy to turn it over five, ten metres out and back our defence to hold firm and then we'll get more opportunities to attack at other times. So I, I do think that's going to be another feature of our game plan. 60s is running in the ball if we're not going to go through the air off the boot.
1: Yep. So, okay, let's let's now get to the pointy end, um, score, best on field, and uh, first
0: try scorer. Yeah, I'm going to tip a, a pretty solid parameter win here if Sean Johnson is out. Uh, if he's in that, it's going to narrow things considerably, but I'm assuming he's out at this stage. Um, I'm going to go Eels thirty six sixteen, 16 uh, victors in this one.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go 26-14 victory to the Eels. Um, and uh, first try scorer, uh, look, you know, I think it's going to come um, around the edge. Um,
0: yeah, I said I said to the other boys uh, yesterday recording the Parapodcast that I feel like the smart money's on one of the back rowers. Uh, yeah, we've been really been attacking via those channels, but I, I went Sean Russell.
1: Okay. Yep. Yep. Well it could be on a sweep yeah. a sweep on the edge. So look, I'm I'm gonna go with um Cardi to get first try scorer mm-hmm. there. And uh best on field, mate.
0: I got two candidates here for similar but different reasons. Uh one, the breakout star of twenty twenty three, Jermaine Hopgood coming back from Queensland camp. Fired up, motivated, galvanized to have a huge game to you know, remind Billy of why he should have just put him into the Origin team in general. Uh, I think he's going to have a great game. But two, the player that was cut from State of Origin this week, Junior Barlow, I think he's going to be violent. I mean, he's going to have a big game. Uh, he's he's going to be out there to prove to Freddie that he got it wrong. So I, I think Junior's my guy here.
1: Yeah. Oh, look. do you know what? I'm going to back you. Junior, junior best on field also. Yeah.
0: He's been building nicely at club level for the last couple of weeks, and I think this is a, a game where there's plenty of catalyst in action for him to be as fired up as he's ever going to get outside of playing for you know in the grand final. Um, you know, he, he was done pretty dirty this week, and he's got plenty left in the tank to show for the Parramatta Eagles that he was the right guy to be in camp, and, and I hope that the Warriors are the ones that are gonna, he's going to take it out on.
1: Look, I think we're going to see plenty of uh, Eels fans out there on Saturday to enjoy that late Saturday afternoon, early evening match. We'll see you out there at Parramatta Leagues Club after the game up in Jack's Bar and Grill for our Instant Reaction podcast. Be sure to get up there, uh, help us to celebrate the Eels' victory over the Warriors, have a drink, a feed, lots of footy talk, as I said. Uh, thank you again to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norella, and Parramatta. Thank you for listening to us in our podcast. Thank you, 40 for today. And one final thing go, you mighty eels. Yes, sir.
0: Uh, catch you guys in the next episode.